This is Pucks and Seven with Ryan Payton and Victoria Matias. It is astonishing as we get going on another edition of Pucks and Seven to look back at the last two weeks, Vic, in this first round. It's still not done. There's one game to go, one series left to be decided, one spot, and the Carolina Hurricanes awaiting the winner of the Devils and the Rangers. But it is unbelievable to think about what's happened in the last two weeks. We've followed hockey a long time. We've seen many first rounds. But what we've seen, especially I think in the last few days and few nights, has been absolutely incredible. I was just wondering that, and I've spoken to a few people about this, if maybe you don't... You don't want recency bias to come into play, right? right? But even thinking about it and looking back at first round series of the past, and again, we've been watching it for a very long time. I don't remember anything as dramatic as this. Just with everything, with the officiating, I can't and either. The upsets yeah. and the stories and all the. I just it's been so dramatic. I mean. I, where do we, we got to start with the Bruins? Yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I was going to ask how you're feeling. <laughs> it's, it's stressful for fans, but even if you're not a complete fan of the actual team you're watching, it's stressful. These games have been amazing. Anyway, Pucks and Seven. Uh, here we go. Two weeks in. Ryan Payton, Victoria Mattyash. Follow us on Twitter at Ryan and Payton at Victoria Mattyash and do the intro quickly. Vic does great work. Major news talk uh, channel and station in Toronto and also ESPN.com, fantasy side of things. Amazing what she does. And I do work for Sirius XM, NHL Network Radio, Channel 91, Hot Stove on the Weekends. Uh, Seattle Kraken, too, as well for the hockey writers. Uh, we're keeping busy, very busy. Okay, let's dive in. We'll go to the West next. We'll start with the East. And yeah, so when the series got to 3-1 to one for the Boston Bruins, you're shaking your head. Everybody thought there's no chance that the Florida Panthers could beat Boston three consecutive games. Well, Vic, the unexpected and unbelievable happened on Sunday night. That was it incredible. Absolutely did. It was yeah. incredible. And it's so fun when you don't have a horse in the race. And I don't think you or I really did in this particular series. You did. Well, I, I Come was on. mildly rooting for the Panthers, but it wasn't right. uh it wasn't a do or die thing for me, right? It's because I mean, of the jersey you have. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just That's I don't know, why. something I, yeah. I latched onto this team earlier in the season. You did and I've enjoyed and I've enjoyed watching them make something of a season that looked at headed for disaster even even in winter. So it's been a lot of fun. So I was casually rooting on the Panthers, but if the Bruins had won, that would be okay as well. And watching a game seven just for the joy of it and not knowing, even I remember I, I texted you just before they started and I yep. said, do they have a chance? Mm -hmm. And you wrote back, they do. Mm -hmm. And you were absolutely right. And then I wasn't able to watch the first period, but I watched the second and third at home and I'm checking and you just see them go up and you're like, get really? out of here is this happening yeah get out of here and i mean credit where credit's due kachuk was amazing mm -hmm. absolutely amazing the goaltending was good enough they made the switch when they needed to make the, sh the switch from alex lyon to bobrovsky who was good enough he wasn't spectacular but he was good enough he had one excellent game and the other ones he was fine right and just Ver carter verhage was a beast Brandon Montour was a beast. Unbelievable. Very lucky he didn't get a five-minute major for that roughing, um, yeah, yeah. the roughing yeah. call. I was sitting there going, he's going to get tossed, man, right. and he didn't. Right. So that was very fortunate. But, I mean, they just, they weren't intimidated. You have to give the Panthers all the credit in the world. They were not, they believed they could do it. And you believed they could do it when you listened to them speaking to their belief. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know? They had they had no pressure. Uh, we'll get to Toronto in a second. Toronto had the most pressure. Usually they do out of any team into the first round. Seattle didn't have any pressure. We'll get to them in the next segment too. They're advancing as well to round two, an improbable run. But the Panthers had none. And the Panthers had to work at every single thing just to get in. And I've said this to you the last couple of weeks when the series began, even last week when we talked about the series midway through, I said this is a Matthew Kachuk type series. He has been unbelievable. The season that he has had in year one with the Florida Panthers has been incredible. It's been everything and more that they wanted from him. He's having fun. And you're right. Every person on that team, I think I forgot to be honest with you, when the Panthers play well, they're a good hockey team. And you and I spoke at length, every most podcasts we did, Okay, when, is this the week the Panthers will will go on a run? You know, okay, is this the week? We talked about that so many times. And this isn't a bad hockey team. It's a really good hockey team. And they slayed the Dragon. They're advancing. It's going to be a whale of a series. Uh, the thing about Boston, I look back to the, the, there's so many key moments, right? The, the Allmark giveaway that led to the Game 5 OT goal. That was the key one. But before that, remember when Brad Marchant, time was winding down, had the breakaway? If Sergei Borovsky doesn't make that save, we're not here talking about the Panthers. We're talking no, about the Bruins. No, and the Boston is resting for days. If, exactly, Awaiting for days. the winner from the yeah. Lightning Leafs series, right? And none of this conversation is even happening, but that's what that's the beauty of sport, right? It is a game of inches. It's a game of seconds. It's a You get the bounces, you don't get the bounces. It's one thing can change very easily. There was a lot of things. Now that, I mean, it's always easy to look back and now you can pick apart the Bruins. And this is a team of, you know, a historically great hockey team. Right. But now we can look at it and now we find out that first of all, where was Hampus Lindholm in this series? Yeah. He like didn't he play. was invisible. Nope. Yeah, he didn't play. You you didn't see that? No. <laughs> I mean, honestly, yeah, the defense was bad and he yeah. was horrible. So now we're maybe we're gonna find out that something was wrong. David Krejci was super hurt. He was mm -hmm. super injured. We but just he played learned well. he played well. Yeah, I still think he was for, missing a... But but for somebody that was hurt, for somebody that was hurt, that's what I'm saying. Like, for example, a David Pasternak, he didn't show up every single game of the series, which he should have. I'm wondering if we're going to find out something about him as well. Because we just learned in the last few minutes that Patrice Bergeron was playing with a herniated disc. I've never had a herniated disc. I know you have. Yeah. And I know that they're extremely painful. So to I can't even imagine. I've seen my friends in agony sitting on the couch. It's awful. It's awful. So to actually play hockey. Yeah. And, 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 and when he left uh, the ice, it was an emotional moment for all the Bruins. And him and Brad Marchand had a bit of a hug and there was tears because some people think that this could be the last time that he plays, not just for Boston, but in the NHL. And here's a bit of what he said after. And he was pretty emotional based on what he's uh, went through this season and, of course, that last game for Boston on Sunday night. Again, you know, it, it hurts right now. So it's, it's you know, I, I'm going to have to step back and... And, and give it some thought with, uh, with my family. Chase, I know it's raw right, right now, but how do you look at this season? <clears throat> I mean, proud of everything we've accomplished uh, with this group. And, you know, it's a, I said that many times, it's it's a special group on many levels, uh, the individuals that we have. And, yeah, you know, it's, you know, obviously it's far from the outcome that we wanted. And, um, you seem to think he'll be back. Correct? I do. Okay. I don't think he's going. First of all, he was fine. 
he's still an excellent, he's still one of the best centers in the league. Right. I mean, he, do, he doesn't have the same step as he did five years ago. He's not going to. He's older now. But he's still extremely effective, and he was a big reason that the Bruins enjoyed so much success this yeah. season. So he can play. And I really don't believe once he's going to sit down, he's going to talk to his family, and he is that guy. I don't think he wants to go out this way. I know I wouldn't because it's always going to be. I mean, even if they didn't win the Stanley Cup, if they had won a series or two and then lost, I think it would have been okay. It would be much more easy to digest. This right. is very difficult to digest. And this is a colossal failure. It is. It's a failure of historical proportion. Oh, it is. Yeah. So and I just don't think he wants to go out that way. They had the best, uh, most amount of wins uh, in a season, most amount of points in a season. But again, the whole President's Trophy curse. How about this one? <sighs> Um, since the Hawks won in 2013, the 10 winners of the President's Trophy since 2013 have won a total of nine playoff series combined. That really is astonishing. In 10 years, all the top teams that won have only won a total of nine playoff series combined. They're just, so it's, that, it's so That's funny. basically one playoff series a year, if you think it's, about it. You really do. Yeah. You want to Panthers it up, and you want to find your stride, and you want to find your consistency this time of year. It really doesn't matter. It just, it actually, it puts the regular season in just a, a very different light. You play these 82 games, and yes, of course, you have to get into the playoffs. It's not done for nothing. But you just, if you squeeze, squeeze in, just like the Panthers did, and again, yeah. we'll get to the Kraken in a minute. Yeah. Just squeeze in, anything can happen, and it's a ton of fun. So we will see. We'll see what Boston looks like next year because, I mean, they've got – they're an aging team as well. And uh, if they can give it another go and the pieces in play. and But I think they made some mistakes. I think they – I think They did. Lena Solmark was in too long. Mm -hmm. I think maybe Swayman – no, this is easy to say now, yeah, right? Of course. But I think uh, maybe bringing in Swayman a little bit earlier might have been an idea as well. But, you know. Boston's done. Uh, Toronto, uh, we'll get to them now. They finally got that massive monkey oh off goodness. their back. First time since 2004. The narrative going in, all this type of stuff. Matthews and Marner 0 for 9 in elimination games. John, like, it's just the numbers were absolutely terrible against Toronto going in. Uh, we'll get to how they match up too against the Panthers, but I guarantee you this after they beat Tampa, they were thinking, okay, well, we're going to go to Boston, right? We're going to go to Boston to open up in game one. I still think everybody did before that game seven against the Panthers, but that's not to be. They should have just, maybe they booked the same hotel in Florida because they were just there for a few games. But that series, Vic, um, forget, the, put everything else aside. This was to me, and I think I may have said this to you going into the series, that this to me was the most important series in the history of this franchise. And I think that this series win is the most important one and significant uh, over the course of history for Toronto. It's okay now. They've yep. won one. Yeah. It's it's okay now. We for can the breathe. first time since 2004, they're not cursed. No. There isn't some black magic in play. Like, they just, they won the series. Even if they lose the next one. And I'd like their chances at not losing the next one, to be honest. But even if they do, this is sorted out. It's not the disaster anymore. They're just, you could feel, we live in Toronto, and you could just feel the weight lift yeah. on Saturday. And how, never mind the downtown and the, you know, the revelry and everybody's having a great time. That's wonderful. But just even in my own basement, which was very loud <laughs> when that happened. It's funny. Just, it's funny. Where it. I am, I actually heard you. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you may have. Like, I'm like, hold on. Oh, yep, there she is. <laughs> you may have. It was that uh, you could just feel it. It just the, the fog lifted, and yeah. uh, and now you know the city can now the Leafs fandom can now look forward to something a little bit different. 
and the conversation's over. And I don't, I'm glad the conversation is over because it was becoming tired and yeah. boring and depressing. And now we can move on to just talking about how they match up against the Florida Panthers in round two. Yeah. Uh, give, um, give Tampa credit. Uh, John Cooper said after as well, he said, probably we played better than them five on five. A lot of people would have thought we were the better team. Uh, but he said, you can't lose three overtime games on home ice. And that is what Tampa did. Okay. So here we go. Panthers and the Leafs. Um, I always look at, and I don't really put any stock into any of this, but I always look back to some of the numbers over the course of the season series with Toronto and Florida it was pretty tight. Three of the games went to overtime. One of them in March, uh, the Panthers won six to two. All the other ones, five, four, three, two, two to one. Um, three of them favored Toronto. One of them favored Florida. So I know it's different. Uh, Panthers have the momentum going in. To me, game one of this series coming up is going to be, and I could be wrong, but I think it's going to be one of the most physical games that we'll see. Kind of remind me about Tampa. I remember Tampa and Toronto in game one. That was pretty physical. I mean, Radko Gudis, uh, Matthew Kachuk is just licking his chuck. He would start today. He would go, he would be on the ice right now waiting for that puck to drop. That's how excited he is. I think it's going to be physical. I think they match up well, but I do think Toronto has the edge. I think Toronto has the edge in net. Yes. I will say that for certain, the way that Samsonov has performed versus Bobrovsky. But again, what we just, we just talked about it. Bobrovsky was fine. He was fine enough. And I think now facing the firepower of what appears to be a healthy Leafs offense, Mm -hmm. as opposed to what was going on with Boston that we're now hearing about. I just find it very interesting because we know that Matthew Kachuk and Austin Matthews are buddies, right? They went through the system together as American skaters growing up and they're still friends. And I think that's going, that's the heavyweight match to me. It's going to be those two and i know there's other players involved obviously i'm not taking anything away from alexander barkov but sam bennett who had a heck of a series yeah, he did. against yeah, he did. the bruins and there's going to be and john Tavares and nylander and all the rest of it i think just if we're looking on paper i do think the leafs are stronger but what we just realized is it almost doesn't matter but both teams you're right ryan both teams are going to try and set the tone very early on tuesday night in toronto a game i tried to buy tickets for and how did that go um this morning we were told 9 (laughs) a.m Ticketmaster, go on because there's going to be a few seats available that are not owned by season ticket holders and corporations and all the rest of it and i went on at exactly nine exactly like on my on my computer flipped i went on i was in queue there were two thousand people ahead of me already the second (laughs) i went on i I have no idea how you how you game it i just don't know how does that i've always wanted to know so, and then the queue moves, the queue moves, and then the notice comes up and then I get in and it's only resale tickets and the cheapest resale ticket that uh, was in the nosebleeds at Scotiabank was $946. Unbelievable. I did not buy it. Spoiler alert. <laughs> right. Yeah. I was going to say, I'll come if you would like company. And also they're saying they're trying to keep a lot of the Leaf fans out of sunrise to try to get some tickets into that arena you know that there's a ton of canadians down there anyway the snowbirds right but so gonna, your credit card your credit card address has to match up now i've yeah. heard it's also the state of florida because right. i was just thinking i have friends in the u.s i could yeah. ask them to get me tickets and yeah. then bob's your uncle right but yeah. you actually have to be in florida your credit card address has to match a florida address so i find that very interesting because they don't want the house packed out with Toronto Maple Leafs fans. And there's tons, there are, there's tons of Canadians down in Florida yeah, all the time. Is. Yeah. 
It's going to be intriguing. Uh, game one on Tuesday. So that gets going tomorrow at 7 Eastern time. By the way, just for the sake of this, and I wanted to get out, road teams have won 31 games in the first round, the most ever in any round in the history of the NHL. Just 31. It, yeah, right? It doesn't, doesn't matter, matter where you at are. All. Nope. Nope. Home ice advantage out the window. Okay, Carolina. No surprise. We yawned last week or this <laughs> earlier on this week when we were talking about it. Hey, they went to it. Uh, the thing that I said this on my show on the weekend, the thing I, I just hated, uh, I hated to see how it ended like that. Stastny with the terrible angle goal and one of the best goalies in the world. He looked absolutely stunned. Yeah, the Isles gave the puck away. Totally get that. But at the end of it, I felt awful. I did. We assumed Carolina would advance. They're the better team. They were the better team. All that type of stuff. But I just didn't like how that ended. Yeah, and but you're not going to blame Ilya Sorokin for no, that. No, no, no. Because no. when Cal Clutterbuck scores the only goal yeah. in an elimination game, nothing against Cal Clutterbuck, but come on, scores the only goal in an elimination game that you need to win to survive to play another day, that's not, you're not blaming the goaltender for that loss. No, no, You no. can't, right? So in New York, New York averaged 2.5 goals per game in the six games, third worst, third worst. In they the just NHL. can't score. But we said this yeah. even ahead of the series. We're like, who's going to score for this team? And yeah. the answer is nobody, yeah. right? They didn't. They didn't score enough. And uh, credit, words due. Freddie Anderson was fantastic. Mm -hmm. Just being tossed in there. You know, he hadn't played a game before in the in the series. He looked great, but he was beatable. He was yeah. absolutely beatable. And yeah. they didn't beat him. And they didn't take advantage of having, you know, a slightly rusty goaltender dealing with the extra pressure and all the rest of it. So, yeah, no, Carolina, they deserve it. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know if you'd agree with this, but you look back to the series and five of the six games were decided by one goal, two to one, four, three, sorry, four of the six, two to one, four, three, three, two, and two, one. Even in those tight games, I really didn't see, I know the Islanders, they, they won, they won one of them, but I just didn't, I just didn't get a sense that it was as close as the score indicated. I don't know if you agree with that. I just, point is, I never got the sense New York would have advanced. I really, if, if they were, if they advanced, I would have been even more shocked. And this is probably a, quite a take. I would have been more shocked if the Panthers or, or if they advanced and the Panthers didn't. That's just really? how little, little confidence I had. I had, yeah. I had Islanders in seven to start the series, but once I started watching them i was more on your side or i you know got more on your side in the sense that they didn't there was just there wasn't that killer instinct no i just wasn't. thought the goaltending was going to be good enough and carolina had issues too with scoring especially heading into the postseason losing some key figures like well we talked about Andre sveshnikov wasn't able to play yeah. i was just wondering who was going to score for carolina as well and uh, but no they got enough they did sebastian Ajo was great and they got enough uh, so they will face the winner of game seven, final game of the first round before round two gets underway in Tuesday. And that game seven comes up tonight between the Rangers and the Devils. So it's been two nothing New York. Then the Devils come back with three. The Rangers look pretty good in that elimination game, facing elimination in game six. And now it is game seven back in New Jersey. Does anybody have the edge in this series? Because even after the, the, the three games the Devils won before going into game six, I really thought New Jersey was going to pull out that game six. But whether it's because of the veteran leadership on the Rangers, whether it's because of the you know backs against the wall, the, whatever it was, I thought that that game to me, I know the first two were great for the Rangers, but that game to me was really impressive. Uh, the big dogs came to bark, right? Yeah. So, and the stars came out and they shined and that's why the Rangers won. And I think they have the momentum now. And I'm on record at ESPN.com if anybody wants to check my homework 
I have the Rangers winning 4-1 tonight. I think Chris Kreider is going to be the star of this game. Okay. He's been the he's been Mr. Clutch all series long. He's yeah. the reason that they're still playing. He almost single-handedly won the first two games for yeah. the Rangers. He didn't. You know what I mean. Right. But uh, he has been spectacular. I think he's going to be spectacular again. I think that top line with him playing with Tarasenko and Zibanejad, I just think they're going to be very difficult to contain. And I think the Devils have been a little lucky. They've gotten some great goaltending. They've been a little lucky so far. So I really do. I think Rangers 4-1 in this one. So who do you, do you, do you start Schmidt? Do you, do you, oh, do you yes. Absolutely. Stick with 100%. him? You stick with him. Okay. 100%. Yeah. Because he said, yeah, he thinks he's done enough to to start a game seven. And absolutely, I think he's done enough to, to start he a game it. seven. Yeah, he does. It's going to be intriguing. Um, the Devils, uh, I mentioned that um, the, the Islanders were third worst in goals for per game. The Devils are awful in goals for per game over the course of this postseason. They're not scoring, but yet somehow the team is a win away from getting into round number two. You have to be. Okay, so let me ask yeah. to just just go back quickly then to, to the Toronto series. Um, many think that they also had some puck luck. Uh, John Cooper said, you knew at some point it would happen. They would get lucky. It's too bad it came against us in the series. Do you think? Do you think they did have a bit yes. of luck? Because yeah, you. I think the Leafs. Okay. I think the Leafs did have a little bit of luck, but that's part of the okay. game. And I think the Leafs had bad luck the last three years, so it's okay. Right. <laughs> They're due. Right. You yeah. know, something can go in that direction for a change. You win that many. You you win that number of games in overtime. You have to be a little lucky, right? Because anything can happen in overtime. We just we watched it the last two weeks with everybody playing. Anything can happen in overtime. One bad giveaway and there you go, right? A ton of overtime games. ton of overtime games. So the winner of the uh, game again tonight between the Devils and the Rangers, they'll be in Carolina on Wednesday. So that's game one on Wednesday. And then the other Eastern Conference series is uh, tomorrow night, Florida and Toronto game one. Uh, We'll go west after this. Seattle and Dallas, Edmonton and Vegas down to the four in the west. We'll talk about all those cracking and a whole bunch more. Two weeks in, a lot of fun. Can't wait for the next two. Pucks and Seven, Ryan Payne, Victoria Matias. We'll be back. Welcome back to Pucks and Seven with Ryan Payton and Victoria Matias. This is Pucks and Seven, playoff edition. Again, playoff spectacular, I think we're calling it. I was hoping because I you said that last week and I was thinking maybe she'll say extravaganza. Okay, playoff. It's, it is our playoff so extravaganza. At, every time we do this, we'll add a certain word after playoff. We'll see how many we can get. But we are into the postseason. So these ones are a little, are we're more frequent now. We're trying to log a couple of podcasts a week, but they are shorter as well. So you're just getting a little bit more playoff pop, pop for your buck. Yeah. And I am Victoria Maddish, of course, and that is Ryan Payton. And we just looked at was ha- what was happening in the Eastern Conference. Still previewing, looking forward to the Rangers and Devils tonight, of course. So not everything is set yet, but everything is set in the West. We know who is playing who and why. And Colorado is not going to repeat as Stanley Cup champs. We know that for certain because they lost to the Seattle Kraken. Thoughts? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, thoughts. Well, um, I did pick Colorado to advance, and I think most people did pick Colorado to advance. Uh, what the series showed for me again is what this team did for most of the 82 games. Even the one, I mean, sometimes they got blown out. I'm talking about the Kraken, of course. 
but this is a team. I'm not saying there's not team, but this is a team. What they did, they had, uh, it was a group effort. 15 players scored a goal, right? Which is astonishing. And Jared McCann, no. Andre Burkowski, no. You take any other team without those two top players, and you're thinking, how the heck will you get by the defending Stanley Cup champions? Now, we know Colorado was a different team. Totally get it. I also think that one of the differences was Philip Grubauer. Last few games, he was playing extraordinary hockey. And that was a big discussion too, Vic. You may remember when Dave Haxtall in the last, I don't know, two, three weeks of the season, he was back and forth from Martin Jones to Grubauer, Grubauer. There was a one stretch, I think, of maybe 10 games. He started one, then the other, and he did it five more times. So who was going to be the number one? But I thought that was great. Um, Give Seattle credit. I mean, this is a team that kind of like the Devils, a little bit different because you're the second year in the league, but the turnaround from last season to now has been incredible. And this team, improbably maybe in some people's mind, but I don't think so. They've advanced around too. Very impressed. Very impressed. What I thought was extra funky delicious in, gr- in game seven in the Sorry, what was, was that? <laughs> funky delicious. Right. Was the fact that Oliver Bjorkstrand scored both of the goals for the win. So he scored. Right. And do you know how many goals he scored earlier in the series? Zero. So I thought it was neat that we're talking about the whole group effort thing, just having 15 different goal scorers in seven games. Is, yep. It is. It is extraordinary. And then to have the one guy who wasn't in on the action, one of the very few who wasn't contributing, he scores the first and the game winner in game seven. And there was a, a lot went wrong for Colorado as well. I mean, there are two teams on the ice in this situation. Grubauer was super. Superb, mm-hmm. especially in Game 7. He was pretty good all series long, but he was superb in Game 7. But again, Arturi Lekkonen, if he's not offside on what would have been the right. game-tying goal, and he was. He was totally offside. It's, a, it's yeah. an excellent call. Yeah, yeah. But him being offside did not affect the goal scoring. The goal yeah. would have went in whether he was offside or not. So it's a little bit of puck luck, what we were just talking about. And if that game is tied up 2-2, Nathan McKinnon puts the team on his back, maybe scores a third, or maybe it goes to overtime, and who knows what happens. And we're yeah. having a very different discussion. But it is a game of inches. Luck plays into everything. But to more all the credit in the world to Seattle. They got it done. Nobody thought, or very few people thought they, they could, and they absolutely did. Yeah, it started uh, beginning of the season. A lot of people have written us off, so uh, we proved them wrong, and uh, we uh, we uh, grew together during during the whole year, and uh, it showed it showed in the series. Fifteen, fifteen different guys scoring, yeah. just unbelievable. And and you know what uh, is incredible about that is sometimes you see teams doing some shifting in how they play because the opposition through a seven game series, that's just what happens. You know, say the first two games, you're like this, maybe we'll adjust this, adjust that. Seattle never adjusted anything. If they had fifth, they had the 15 guys scoring goals in this series. They had 13 players scoring at least 13 over the course of the season. And they averaged 3.52 goals per game tied for fourth in the national hockey league. So my point is, is that no pressure. They didn't change their game plan. They didn't care who they were playing, defending champs or not, and they stuck with the system. This, to me, is an example of you stick with the system, you play for yourselves, but you also know the roles that you have. Don't do too much, and good things can happen. It's no, crazy. Yanni Gord. Yanni Gord is yeah. your lead scorer. I, I mean, yeah, when sorry, that's, who? Huh? Yeah. yeah, he's great. Yeti Gord's yeah. a good hockey player, but you you wouldn't usually be having a conversation about him being the lead scorer in the postseason for your team. So it's just incredible. Haxtell, is he in the Jack Adams conversation? This is the thing. 
I am a, uh, I'll take maybe, I don't know, a minute, we'll, we'll just do whatever, I'll probably go long. Uh, Jim Montgomery uh, is going to get it. Dave Haxtell should be, absolutely. Um, same thing with the Devils. To me, it doesn't matter if you coach a team to the most victories and points ever in the NHL. What matters more to me is what you do with a team to turn it around. And so I would put, with all due respect to Montgomery, great season. I would put a guy like Dave Haxtall up there on top. Along and with I, Lindy Ruff, obviously. Yeah, and I, to me, yeah, those two to me would be more worthy of getting the Jack Adams because of what you did. I'm sure if you put Ruff and Haxtall behind the bench in Boston, maybe the same results, close to it. But for the turnaround that these two guys did and, help, and, and they helped lead the team, absolutely he should be in discussion. He's not going to win it, but he should be. If I had a vote, I'd vote, I'd vote for him. But what even being you? named, being yeah. nominated, I think, it's like, it's oh, just it's it's nice to be nominated. It is nice to be nominated. Yeah. <laughs> of course yeah. it is. You're acknowledged. Your hard work and your expertise and your skill and your talent is acknowledged. Of course it's nice to be nominated. I would still give it to Jim Montgomery. I just know how much fun that team had playing for him and the turnaround from last season. I, I think it mattered. I think I don't think they have the same record with a different coach. So to that, and just when you break those types of records, I think you have to, I know what happened in the postseason, but it's not a postseason no, award. No, it's so it doesn't not, matter. It's not. Yeah. So, but I think those, those three, if those three finished one, two, three, I'm pretty happy. I'm pretty satisfied with that. We'll get to who the Kraken will play. Uh, well, they're going to play Dallas, so that's going to be an intriguing series. But Dallas knocked off Minnesota. No surprise whatsoever. I thought that last game was pure Dallas. Um, four to one. They beat them in game six back on Friday. Minnesota's knocked out. I just did not think, even though the series went to three, two, I just didn't think that Minnesota had much of a shot. I didn't. I thought Dallas was the better team. And I thought one of the biggest moments of that series for me happened in game one when Marc-Andre Fleury started and he looked terrible and the team gave up a ton of goals. I just thought, okay, it may go seven, but I just thought at that point, Dallas to me was the the team, regardless if they get Gustafsson in and, and take Flurry back out. But in the end of it all, Dallas, I thought, won it and they should have. Where where was Kirill Kaprasov in that series? Yeah, I know. Just that's not what tough. I was expecting. And I love him. He's an incredible tough. hockey player, but yeah. he was absolutely invisible. Dallas contained him so well, along One with point. Matt Boldy. Uh, I, know, I mean, that, that is outstanding, really, yeah. in and, the worst and, way. And the point, one goal, 48 seconds into game one. So you add, so you add up add up the amount of time between 48 seconds of game one to the final uh, buzzer in game six? No goals? No, it's not enough. Wow. Not from your star player. No. Who has had time off leading into the postseason. Matt Boldy wasn't good enough. Ryan Hartman wasn't good enough. Do you think we'll hear from a enough. bit more about Kaprizov? That, Probably. Yes, yeah, okay. Yeah. And I'll, especially because he, he missed so much time to, because of injury that, as right. already. Something is not quite there. Yeah. But again, you look at it and it's like 90% of the NHL is playing hurt at this point, right? Yeah. Or at least pretty banged up. Nobody feels great right now. So it's part of the game and it's too bad. I've had Dallas uh, going ahead in seven. So they didn't take seven, but yeah. I did expect Dallas to just to have that little bit extra firepower, which they did. Rupe Hintz was a revelation. He was an absolute superstar. Yeah, And we know he is, but he really came to play, right? We really saw it. And I like the fact that the rest of the league like the rest of the league's fans finally got a nice look at Rupe Hintz because I think Dallas doesn't, did they just play in the shadows a little bit sometimes because yeah. it's Texas oh, I agree. and, I agree. you know, time change and all the rest of it. And yeah. we got a really good look at what a great player he is and what a great player he's going to be for years. This, this is a good team. 
Jake Ottinger, we talked about it, I think, in the last pod. He is a, a, a great goaltender. 2.01 goals against average. I know Kaprizov didn't hit the score sheet very much, all that stuff. 929 save percentage. Uh, another part of that for me was the whole power play thing and the penalty kill. Minnesota was was on the penalty kill 24 times, and they allowed nine power play goals, which is which is just not acceptable. It's like the LA Kings and the Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton went through, but a lot of it had to do with with their power play. Um, when you mentioned Kaprizov, I was I was waiting to say this, and I'll end it as we go to the preview of Dallas and and uh, Seattle. Something was Kaprizov. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's yeah. good. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, no, that's very good. And when you're giving up four power play goals to Tyler Sagan, I mean, you're just no, putting yourself in a bad position. And they're going to get, they're probably going to get Joe Pavelski back, if not for yeah. game one, at least relatively soon, because he was a game time decision for game six. He's just going to get that little extra time to heal. And he's a beast as well. And obviously the experience is going to help. So Seattle. Yeah. Dallas. What do we think? I'll tell you this, it's going to be maybe the exact same thing as we thought going into the Colorado series. The majority of people would think Seattle is the underdog, but you just wait and you just watch. If it, if they lose, if they lose, I'm predicting it'll go six or seven. I'm probably going maybe towards seven and they will give it every single thing that they have. They're going to give Dallas a tough go. Also, I know we talked about this sometimes um, over the, the course of the year with the Kraken. They're really big on the defensive side of things, right? Um, Alexiak is big. Larson's big. Uh, it, it's just this physical presence. I know Dallas is quick. Totally get it. But if they use their body, if they kind of get that physical presence noted early on by Dallas, that really ch- can change the dynamic of a game. Now, Dallas, favorite going in. Uh, I'm going to say the Kraken, give them a, give them a go, but I am going to go with... Uh, with Dallas, I think. Oh, you are. I think. I thought you were going to stick with your guys. Because yeah, I I'm I'm putting that I'm putting the bias aside. I will tell I you. Am. I'll tell you what. I mean, I have. Da- I'm, I'm going to say Dallas in six. I think there's okay. just too much firepower. I yeah. will say this for Seattle to give it a go. They can't take penalties. They can't. They have to play super disciplined because yeah. we saw what the Stars' power play can do. And Grubauer has to be essentially perfect. If Grubauer continues to stand on his head like he has so far this postseason and Seattle plays super disciplined, it doesn't take, they don't take a bunch of penalties, they have a shot. I'm with you. They have a shot, go seven, we'll see what happens. Right now I have Dallas in six. We shall see. Game one is going to get underway on a Tuesday at 9.30 Eastern time. Dallas against the Seattle Kraken. Edmonton. Well, same thing as last year. Uh, They got it done. This time they got it done uh, in L.A. Didn't have to go back to Edmonton for a sixth game. This is a good team. Um, I mean, we can dissect the Kings and what they didn't do right, and the PK was a bad, but it's funny whenever we talk about the Kings and the penalty kill in that series. Were they that bad, or was just Edmonton's power play just so much better? And they didn't even give them that many opportunities. No, it's not no. like Edmonton piled on with right. power play goals, but they took advantage of every opportunity. They're so vicious. This is this turned out exactly, not exactly, but this turned out very similarly to what I expected. I got a lot wrong this postseason. I right. did not get this wrong. No. <laughs> I expected Edmonton to not have that much difficulty. And I even had a little bit more difficulty than I thought they were going to. But they did. They got the job done. I thought like after game five, to me, that was that game five, just the tide turned for the Oilers. And I was like, okay, that was your shot Kings. And you just didn't take advantage of them not being at their best. And now they, uh, they look, they look scary again. I'm really looking forward 
to this series. This might be my favorite series in the second round. Yeah. I, th- I think it's what, um, what many expected. I mean, one of the narratives probably with Kings fans, or whatever would have been nice to see a Jonathan quick appearance. If Vegas, you know, if they advanced and they took on the Vegas golden Knights, but that's not going to happen, but I am as well. Um, Vegas will have their hands full, obviously with, the Edmonton Oilers because of, especially with McDavid and Dreisaitl. Dreisaitl is just incredible. Like, look at, watch that guy. He's, he's next level, man. Like we're talking about Matthew Kachuk with Florida. Leon Dreisaitl is next level in the playoffs. Connor McDavid is fantastic. Dreisaitl is next level. And he, I'm glad you mentioned that because uh, I watched him in that series. Well, watched a lot of the series, but him specifically. And just, just where he is and, and, and the finish that he has. If you if McDavid sets him up with one time shot, whatever he just he just has the the spatial awareness of everything, and he doesn't look like he's doing very much. Kind of reminds me a bit about a Jack Eichel. So I'm going to watch those two specifically going in and coming out of the series because I think Jack is I still think one of the better players in the game, but Leon just kind of has that calming factor to him, and it's not just with his post game stuff or in game stuff with his teammates and whether that be on the bench or in the dressing room, but he just, he makes it look so simple. I, I I know McDavid does too, but, but McDavid's, you know, go, 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 go. Leon's just doing his thing. Um, he's like the Scotty Pippen to Michael Jordan with the, the best, uh, the best the make it look Bulls. easy though. Don't they? Yeah, they do. And there's something, this is going to sound super, super simple and super basic. I think he's really smart. Like, I think Leon yeah. Dreisaitl is really, really smart. If he wasn't a hockey player, I could picture him as a doctor or an engineer or a, a rocket scientist or something. Because he's just, you just get the sense from him. And I think it translates to his play on the ice as well, that he's just, he's incredibly intelligent. And there's yeah. a maturity about him as well. And that's why you find him. He is in the right place at the right time. And it doesn't look like he worked very hard to get there. You're absolutely right. This is going to be, and I like, I like that you brought up Jack Eichel as well because he is a little bit like that too. He makes it look a little effortless to the point that he actually draws criticism because some fans think he's not trying hard enough. Right. And he is. He just makes it look that way. Yeah, and you know what? You're in a good spot if you don't have to try hard. You're still very good at what you do. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's not a bad spot to be in. Edmonton, uh, highest scoring team in this postseason, 4.17. Vegas in four, three point eight. The power play, 56.3% Victoria against the LA Kings. The next best is Dallas at 30. No, sorry, Winnipeg, but they're done at uh, 41.7. I don't know. It's um, Vegas. Stay out of the, stay out of the penalty box. Stay out of the sin bin, if you will, which is pertinent to, I guess, Vegas. Um, I did mention Winnipeg. I just want to touch on that a bit with you and and we can go because we did talk about Rick Bonus about how they um, lost that series to Vegas and he came out very quickly right away and said he's disgusted, it was awful, there was no pushback, it's been this way for months, all this type of stuff. And then Blake Wheeler comes out recently to say I didn't quite appreciate that. You've got Connor Hellebuck talking about him, don't want to be part of a rebuild. What do you think is going to happen here in this offseason? Is this team going to be significantly different? Well, the Jets have said that Rick Bonus is coming back for a second season. Yeah. So, so on the that. ice, do you think they will be? They have to. They have to get rid of Wheeler and Shifley. He can't. They can't play for him. They yeah. can't. Wheeler cannot play for Rick Bonus anymore. He can't. How yeah. can they? That relationship is broken. It's like it's when you look at a bad marriage. You're like they're done. Yeah, like yeah. you know, you can smell it. And these two 
are done for sure. Shifley's a little bit more difficult because, you know, top centers don't exactly grow on trees and he has to be replaced properly. But Wheeler is gone. And whoever, I mean, the Jets have made their statement. This is our coach. This is our guy. Even after he blew his top, he's still our guy behind the bench. And the players are, hey, guys, you got to play for him. That This is how this is going to work. And what do you so, think about that? What do you think about that? Okay. I don't like the decision they're making. I like the guts they're showing in making a decision and making it clear. Does that okay. make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. Right? Perfect okay. sense. Make so perfect I sense. don't think that Rick Bonus is the right guy in Winnipeg, but the fact that they've decided he is, I like the fact they made that decision and they made it very clear. That's what I like. I thought he would not uh, he would not be back after that, but I know he's got um, he signed that two-year contract at some point. And yeah, you look at Wheeler, he's got one more year left at 8.25, uh, Shifley one at 6.125. Um, Luke Dubois is an RFA after mm-hmm. this season, and you have Hellebuck on the back end, uh, one year left at 6.16. So I mean, this is coming to coming to a close, I think. So yeah, I'm with you with that. It's too bad, and I think they are going to be a, um, a different looking team, certainly on the ice. Well, Vic, um, speaking of different looking, this literally just in, and Daryl Sutter is out as the head coach of the Calgary Flames. Just came across my screen as well because it's we're doing we're recording this lunchtime on Monday. Yeah. So it was just the noon hour, I suppose, that it dropped from the league. That uh, yeah, there's a coaching change in Calgary. I uh, I don't think either one of us are going to feign surprise at this. No, maybe just the timing of it. To here's the thing with with all this. Brad Tree living left right on his own terms. There was He's a strained, tired. yeah, strained relationship with with him and Daryl Sutter. I do believe there's a strained relationship with Sutter and other members of the team. Nazem Kadri, whoever else. I mean, put he's and I've said this time and time again to you. Just the act is old. Uh, it, it, Daryl Sutter is tiring. He he's tiring. Um, so I'm not surprised the timing of it. Well, you have the, you know, you have the draft, right? You've got the, um, you know, lottery, look, a whole, whole bunch of things about to happen in the next, I think, few weeks. So I think the timing's okay, but you certainly wonder now the question is, well, are they going to get a GM in place too, right? On a full-time basis. Who's, who's that going to be? There's a lot of work to do in Calgary. Wow. There's a lot of work to do in Calgary. And what I just find interesting about this particular timing, like the fact that he wasn't fired the day after the end of the regular season or even that particular week, like it's been a couple of weeks now. What I imagine happened is whoever is still managing the Flames conducted all the exit interviews and talked to the players and other members of staff. And right. then when they heard resoundingly that most people are not happy with the head coach of the flames and working with him. I don't, I, I think Huberto can't stand him. I mean, that's just the impression I get. Yeah. I don't know well, for sure, Well, but you know, you can't fire the whole team. You can't no. fire the whole team. So if you hear from the entire team, this isn't the Jets situation where maybe right. it's two or three characters. If you hear from everybody, if Mackenzie right. Weger is going, I can't, I don't like the guy, then what do you do, right? So I imagine this is this is dropping after they spoke with everybody and thought about it and thought we have and, to go in a completely different direction. And, you know, is there some sort of similarity to what happened with Boston and Bruce Cassidy last year? A lot of the players didn't see eye to eye with him. And after some of the exit interviews, they decided to go in a different direction. So I think it is. I'm not surprised. I think he should have been fired months ago. Everybody who's heard me on this podcast knows that um, it's just tiring. Like it's old, it's old. And if you don't have the respect, you're right. If you don't have the respect of your teammate or of, of your players, your players aren't going to perform. 
And the whole Huberto thing too, I feels like we're dropping the cling hammer again. I miss that. Oh, it's right. always it's always <laughs> on Sutter. But the whole thing with Huberto, how he was so dismissive of the fact to put him on the left side. And then when he did late in the season, I mean, come on. You and I could, oh, maybe we'll move him to a position that he's really comfortable in. And maybe that'll help him put some points up like you did a season ago. It's the stubbornness though, right? Oh, it's ridiculous. It's Daryl's way or it's the highway. So I have two, I have two questions. I'm, I'm sorry to throw this at you without any preparation. Do you have somebody in mind you would like to see there? Oh. Okay. I'll go first. Then when you think about it, I'd love to see Bruce Boudreaux there. I would just love to see a complete opposite. Mm. Somebody who the players are now going to want to play for and yep. perform for. I would love to see him again in, in Canada, out West, Playing the Canucks a bunch, <laughs> right? How about that for a storyline? How about I, that for storyline? And so I love the whole I'm drama. I'm, I, I'm I with you the, with that. I love the drama uh, idea of it. I like everything behind that. And my second question to you is, is Daryl Sutter done or does he find another job? This is the second stint now with Calgary that he he's, he's gone. Um, I think based on everything that happened this season specifically, and everything that was, you know, the Jacob Pelche thing, remember that one when he said who? I, it was just Ugh. so embarrassing. I would be surprised if any team would say, you know what? Yeah, we want somebody like that. Unless you do a complete 180 and you change, not the coaching style, but just change the person you are. But you can't. You're too old for that. I don't see him coming back. Or at least I don't see him, don't, don't see a team going out to reach, reach out to him for a coaching job. I think he's done. I think he's that off to the wrong. ranch. But I said that last time. The last time he was gone, I said, he's done. He's off to his ranch. So, yeah. you know, you never know. I like Bruce. Uh, that would be, if Bruce wants to go back, I think that's good. Anyway, yeah, Daryl Sutter out as Flames head coach. Okay, so let's do uh, predictions. Let's do West. Again, got the uh, four series, Seattle-Dallas. Who do you have in, in how many games? Oh, I said uh, Dallas and six. Dallas and six. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to go... Dallas in seven, Edmonton in Vegas. Who do you have? How many oh, games? Oh boy. I, I, I first of all, I want it to be seven. So I'm going to okay. go with seven games and I'm going to say the oil. I think Oilers, I think they pull it off just, but just barely. You know, what's so interesting about this series. It's Laurent Boissois versus yeah. Stuart Skinner. This is not how we had it mapped no, out. Not at all. <laughs> in the beginning not at of all. the season. But right. <laughs> this is what the playoffs have been already, right? In these two weeks, nothing that we think would have happened has, well, some things have happened, but a lot of them haven't happened. I'm going to go Edmonton in six. Okay. I'm going to go Edmonton in six, and they're going to win on home ice in game six because Vegas has the home ice advantage. Okay, back to the Eastern Conference again. One series left to be decided. Game six to game seven tonight between the Rangers and the Devils. Toronto in Florida. Who and how many? Toronto. You six. said that with <laughs> she. She went right I'm up scared. to Mike. Yeah, I'm scared to say it out loud. Toronto in six. I had Toronto in six for the first series. I was right. Um, made a lot of noise about that on my social medias and I'm going to say Toronto and six again. Okay. I'm going to go with Toronto and six as well. Um, Florida is going to give them a go, whatever it is, we'll see, but I'll go Toronto in six. And let's just, let's just play speculation. If the devils uh, do make it in against Carolina, or if the Rangers make it in of the two teams still left to face Carolina, I'm just going to kind of pick your brain who, and, and who, who is the better shot? Do you think? of making that a series. I think Rangers are going to eat Carolina alive. To be okay. Perfectly oh, honest. wow. Wow. Um, but I will also say if the devils win game seven, I like their chances as well. I, whoever is facing Carolina, like I watched chances. Carolina. I like their chances. Yeah. Okay. Carolina is not at their best. Yeah. I don't trust the goaltending. And I know Freddie looked really good 
in that one game, I don't trust the goaltending and I trust the goaltending for New Jersey and the Rangers, especially with Shesterkin. And I just think there's too much, there's too much firepower on the Rangers for sure. And I think the Devils are going to play Carolina properly. And I think they're going to have the edge. You know, it's good to uh, agree to disagree, but I can't disagree with anything. I agree. Carolina's not going to make it through that second round. doesn't matter who they play, the Rangers or the Devils, but uh, we shall see. And you said Freddie Anderson, just the one game. That's all he's had, just the one. He I mean, looked I good, though. He, he looked it, good. One game. Yeah. One game. One game. Uh, Devils-Rangers coming up tonight, Game 7. That's the only series left to be decided. Carolina will take on the winner of that one, and that'll be on Wednesday. And then you have uh, Round 2 starting tomorrow night, Panthers and the Leafs and the Kraken and the Dallas Stars. We'll be back at some point this week. Not sure when, but we'll be back at some point. We'll do another one. Uh, always a lot of fun. Catch us on Twitter at Ryan and Peyton at Victoria Matiash. Also, get us wherever you get your podcasts. We're also available on the SiriusXM app. Final thoughts before we say adieu? Oh, it's just super fun. I'm not, I can't wait. I want it to start now. I'm looking forward to tonight with the Rangers and Devils, and I can't wait for the week to get going. This is my favorite round. I know what people love the first round because there's so oh, much is. happening. Yes, I did is. not. I did not know. The, okay, the first, I didn't know that because you still have. So you have eight series. Sorry, four series, eight teams involved. Yeah. So there's yeah. something happening every night, and you got a couple of games every night. So you're not just stuck with the one game, but you can really sink your teeth into it, right? Whereas the first round, it gets a little hairy. You're like, you got to stay up and then you watch this and you got to keep track of what's going on. This is this is the round where if you don't know certain players on certain teams, you really get to know them and you really get to see what that team is all about. But there's always so, action happening. This is my right. favorite round. So less is more. In this right? case, yes. In this yes. case, yes. You get to all concentrate, right? right? On that note, we'll leave. We'll be back this week. Enjoy uh, the next couple days, few nights in the Stanley Cup playoffs. This has been Pucks in 7, available on the SiriusXM app and wherever you get your podcasts.